it's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Interviewing People, where you can learn about a variety of careers from people actually doing the work. I'm your host, Brian Brott, and today I'll be talking with Ryan Randall, who once walked these halls, but is now a project manager scrum master for MIGSOP Cubed in Detroit, Michigan. Ryan talks about the path he took and how his time in the National Guard contributed to where he is today. Enjoy the show. Ryan, thank you very much for joining us today, and I'd love for you to just take a few minutes and talk a little bit about your high school experience and where you thought you were going when you left high school. So yeah, again, thanks for uh, reaching out and having me on here. It's been other than LinkedIn, ha- haven't talked to you in a long time. So it's, uh, it's good to do a little catch up here. Uh, but no, going back to high school to say that I imagined myself being in this position, not just including the pandemic in that, but uh, I, I can't say I necessarily thought it was going to be this way. Um, when I graduated back in 05, my plans going from there, I was enrolled at, B- at Bowling Green. So I started that out. Um, I went for one year at that time. So fall and spring semester realized that I didn't, that was also my first time actually being away from home and kind of on my own. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, I took advantage of that situation a little too much as many people have unfortunately also done. But but, uh, from there, it was kind of an unknown as to what I wanted to do then. Obviously I was 18, 19 at the time. And I thought I wanted to go have fun more than I wanted to actually focus on a career or studies. So it was kind of a a weird moment, if you will. Uh, I ended up working odd jobs for about a year, year and a half in in between all of that. And it was uh, a toss up as to what the future was going to hold for me at that point. So you ended up going into the army. Uh, mm-hmm. At what point did you make that decision? Was that after that year or so, um, uh, after yep. college? And, and what led you to the Army? And what type of impact has that had on your future? So what that came about, so like I said, I went 05 into 06 at Bowling Green. And then it was December of 2006 that I ended up actually enlisting in the Army is with the National Guard in Ohio. And what kind of led me to that point is I actually in that first year at Bowling Green had joined a fraternity. And a lot of the guys that were in that fraternity were in Army ROTC. So one of my very close friends then was a cadet and he was getting ready to go full time in the Army as well. And he kind of started hinting at it for me. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the ROTC route, which because I wasn't taking classes, it was going to be a little more difficult to do it that way. So I ended up going, talking to a recruiter. He kind of got me introduced to him. And pretty much from there, the, the rest was history. So you started in the National Guard? Yep. I was actually National Guard for the entire duration. I okay. uh, ended up being just over 13 years from start to finish. But yeah, it was December of 06. And then in May of 07, I had left for basic, basic training. So how does being in the National Guard for those 13 years, how was your experience different from if you had been in, you know, the full blown army? The biggest thing you'll typically hear is that it's a national guard or the reserves or the weekend warriors is kind of the biggest moniker that is thrown around. Uh, 
right. uh, which is very accurate. So a lot of what we did outside of mandatory training that I had to go to. So when I first joined, as I mentioned, it was in December of 2006, but I didn't actually leave until May. So I actually was able to go, I came back home, went to Owens Community College for six months, but the initial perk, and this is not a recruiting pitch, but <laughs> the army paid for me to go back to school. So that was kind of my, okay, maybe you should get things together here a little bit. But the only thing that really took me away being with the National Guard is I had every month I had a drill, which was going to wherever I was assigned to go uh, for either Friday through Sunday, Thursday through Sunday, or even just a Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and then we always would have a two weeks out of the summer, typically two to three weeks max uh, going away for training. And that could be either in Ohio, Michigan, or wherever it is that we may necessarily be having, have an assignment to go to. Okay. Uh, the only extra random detail within all of that is deployments in between. So I had two of those. I had one in 2008. So I went to basic training. I had my intelligence training right after that. That took me from end of May all the way through to December. And then two, I was home for two weeks at Christmas. And then I went right into a deployment with my unit and we went overseas right away. So okay. I had that deployment and another deployment in uh, 2012. Were those, was that number of deployments typical for National Guard? Do they sometimes go less? Do they sometimes go more? Uh, a lot really depends on the unit that you're assigned to. But the way that it's set up, especially from around the time that I was in, is they try to get you on a rotation, regardless of the unit that you're with. So, for instance, who I was assigned to, it was, you were almost guaranteed to be going somewhere every four years. So ironically enough, I mentioned I was gone in 08 and then we had another one in 2012. It's to not only because those go nine to 12 months typically for the rotation. Um, but what they try to do is they had that spread out. So it gives you time for training and anything else in between. And also to not overextend a unit as was seen early on with the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, where early 2000s, you see units going overseas for 15 to 18 months. And that's what they were trying to avoid. And getting the, everyone just basically worn out. Right. So you obviously had a job uh, mm -hmm. as you were in the National Guard. How did that work uh, when you had to go overseas? The best way to describe it, so we're, we're trained, obviously, for what I did, I was an intelligence analyst, just for that background of it. The best way to simply describe what my job was, was to find the bad guys and tell our guys where to go get them. Uh, that's, I guess that's the easiest way of going without going into crazy detail. Right. So when you're stateside for that training, it's very, it's all notional, obviously. So you're looking at a map or you have something pulled up on a computer screen and you're doing, they call it battle drills, for instance, where some of us are acting as the good guys, others are acting as the bad guys. And we train the force, if you will. Uh, that that's at least for my portion of the job. Then a lot of it, uh, sometimes the, the joke for my position was called a PowerPoint Ranger. So I got a lot of experience creating PowerPoints and giving briefings, uh, over my 13 years, like just my first deployment alone, I gave 104 different threat briefings to guys going out on missions. So it was a, it was a busy time. And that was from right. March to December that I gave all those. So okay. a lot, a lot of speaking, at least in the job that I did and a lot of just having to, a lot of learning basically of what right. was going on but when it comes to being 
in country, for instance, depending, so that's for deployment. Um, it's more, it's obviously it's real. So what I tell them here stateside doesn't necessarily mean that your life's going to be at risk, but over there, giving the wrong information for the job that I'm providing could lead to someone's, it could be life or death. So right, right. That it's a, it's a extra layer of reality, I guess you could say it is real. It's a huge dose of reality, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. So that, I guess that would be the biggest difference. And obviously, you know, there's a, a bigger threat of being shot at while you're over there. So right. that's a little bit different too. Right. Now, were you working for anyone uh, on a private level? Um, you know, so I, you know, you worked at rock connections as a data analyst mm -hmm. is, and that was after your, your second deployment during or before your deployments. And while you were in the national guard, were you working for someone and they just held your job for you while you were gone or how did that work? So it, it ironically worked out for me uh, between both deployments that I actually wasn't full-time employed. Okay. And what I mean by that is I didn't, it wasn't private sector. So what I'm doing now working for a standard company, um, what I was doing, obviously leading up to my 2008, I just gotten out of basic training in my advanced training for Intel school. So I was already not working and I was taking classes right before that point. And then going into the 2012 deployment, I was actually working full time with the army. So it was considered active duty, but on the national guard side. Oh, okay. So from that, that's a little more of a gray area, if you will, because I was put on orders because of specific funding that were there to support us going overseas. Um, but the difference though, to kind of what you were asking is if I were, if I was still in and getting ready to deploy, for instance, doing the job I am now, it's actually required by law that my job, my position is held. It's, there's a set amount of days after my orders are completed that I have to return to work or then I can actually be terminated. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but they would have had to at least have held my job in, during that time. Tell us a little bit about being a project master, project manager, scrum master. Uh, what does a scrum master do? So yeah, that's a, it's, it's a bit of a tongue tie there. It's <laughs> my technical position right now is project management project manager. My role on my team is a scrum master. So I've got my actual job description pulled up because it's kind of changed even just since I've been, we've been jumping around. I was a product owner and now I'm a scrum master, but basically my main role based off my actual job description, and I'm going to keep this as simple as possible, which is why I'm going to read it that way. Uh, my primary responsibility is assess, assisting the self-organizing and self-managing team to achieve the, its goals. So I, my overarching duty is to, for one, make sure my team is on track to get done with the assigned tasks at hand. So whether that be for future planning or what we have going on right now, um, I'm there to ensure that if there's any roadblocks or things that could be hindering their, their ability to complete their task, I have my role is basically figuring out what those could be and how we can get around it and plan for the long term to get things accomplished. Would you say that you do a lot with logistics within the uh, team? Yeah, within the team, I would say that's an appropriate way to say it. Uh, it's with who I'm working with right now, it's, it's an IT focus. So we're actually help supporting an automotive supplier or, not, or large automotive company 
And what we're doing is building a dashboard for them, which is providing them visual, um, a visual understanding of how their labs and business is performing day to day. So what we're trying to do is refine and update the product based off how their day-to-day output is and making that into a visual sense for them to understand what's happening. So part of my work there is managing the hurdles of of how are we going to be able to provide them what they want to see, how soon they want to see it, and then what's going to be necessary to allow us to put that together and get that in front of them. Teamwork, obviously, a big part of that job in making sure everyone's staying focused and so forth. So as you think about your previous positions, uh, you were a data analyst at uh, Route 1, Rock Connections, Mm -hmm. so forth. How did those experiences help you grow into this new position? What was most beneficial to get me here is that as when I was working as a data analyst with as you mentioned, Route 1 and, and Rock Connections. At Rock Connections, it was more working through Excel and the spreadsheet side. And then we started, we took, went from there and started working on dashboard um, visual platforms. So one that I'm not sure if you're familiar with is called Tableau. Okay. So we were working within there to pr- create visual understanding of how operations were, t- were going and how things were actually, if we're being profitable or not. So each, it's been kind of a stepping stone to each position in that sense where each job has kind of built on the last one. And now that the culmination has been in this position where I'm less hands-on in regards to the actual design and back-end work of the dashboard. And now I'm actually kind of driving how that's being put together and what is actually more meaningful and impactful for the business that we're supporting. Okay. So, and obviously as a security analyst or intelligence analyst in the military, uh, a lot of those same skills have translated to what you're currently doing. And do you feel like your time in the Army, uh, did that definitely help you or or has that made you a better employee in this Mm -hmm. position? The simple answer is yes. The reason I I even landed my first role with Rock Connections was due to my background with the military. It was an entry, granted it was an entry level position. So mm-hmm. it wasn't one of those that you come in and you're making a lot of money. <laughs> right. um, but because of my experience for one of being able to, of, of briefing, as I mentioned, and being comfortable talking, and also just to having a general understanding of in, intelligence collection, as well as different ways to kind of bring all of those things together when it comes to an, analysis, that actually is what was the number one thing to land me that first job. And because of that, obviously my career path has grown over the years and now it's led to where I'm at now. But the army was, if it wasn't for the army, I wouldn't have been in this position. You appear to be a great example of a lifelong learner. You talked about going to BG for a little bit. You went to Owens for a little bit. You have earned an associate's degree from Columbus state. And now you're working toward a bachelor's degree at Eastern Michigan. I think a lot of times we think, or we were in a time where it was looked at as that you had to have a four-year degree to find a job and so forth. And you obviously have blown that out of the water because uh, you're, you're working toward that right now. I guess what role has education played? Uh, do you feel like everything has worked out the way that it is supposed to education-wise? Uh, do you have any regrets or 
what are your thoughts on all of that? I don't know if I necessarily say it was a regret, but I do wish that first time around at Bowling Green, I actually would have finished it and wrote it out. Um, That was no fault, but my own, unfortunately. Uh, So it's, but I, I look back at it though. And I'm, I think I'm fortunate because my military background, like I said, was my jumping off point to get getting me started on a civilian career. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me get to this point. But I will say that it still has that limitation, to, as, as you mentioned, with not necessarily having the degree I'm compensated well, but it could be better. And a big yeah. piece of that is because I don't have a degree. Because the, the field that I'm going into, and I think the benefits of what I've gone through in, some, in a lot of the college coursework that relates to the job that I'm doing now is it lets you get a broader understanding of the business aspect of things. And it lets you kind of, it's in a way gets you more analytical. Right. Now, is it going to put you into a six figure job? Probably not. Unless you're just that smart, then I, I envy you. So, <laughs> um, but no, it's it long-term though. It's, not necessarily, like I said, it got me to where I'm at without one, but once I finish it, it's going to open up even more opportunity because I can speak in my own experience that I've had discussions with recruiters, uh, even with the experience that I do have now, and they see that I don't have a four-year degree completed yet, and they're like, when you're done with that, then we'll come talk to me, then we'll get you, we'll, we'll figure something out for you. Would you say that's fairly typical in the field that you're in? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, on the business side, especially, the more you have there, whether it's your bachelor's or beyond, the better in a way. But if you've got the bachelor's and you've already got the experience, kind of like in my situation, it kind of cancels each other out. If you're going bachelor's right into master's and then you're starting work, I mean, you've known school for six to eight years and now you're finally getting your feet wet. So depending on how old you are when you started all that. Right. But I definitely think that having that four year is on the business side is, is, is pretty critical. How do you feel like this job is helping you achieve or this career is helping you achieve a purpose that you see in your life and, and making the work that you are doing worthwhile and feeling like you're having a positive impact? The purpose for me, I'll start with that point, is that I'm helping support my family. And I think that's regardless if you're single with no kids or married with kids, I think that that individual success is pretty important for a majority of people. And whether it, first of all, comes down to, are you enjoying what you're doing? And secondly, are you making the money that you feel you're comfortable with to make it worthwhile? Right. So I'm, to me, I'm at that point and it's my family can have what they need without having to worry about things is I guess the point that I'm getting toward. So that purpose right there is that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, For the second part, I think what it comes down to is the fulfillment that I get in the the client, just seeing their reaction of when they're happy with what it is that we're producing. The, The project that I've been on, I've been on it for now just a little over a year, and we've gone from a bare bones dashboard with very little information that wasn't really providing much clarity for them to now they're using it every single day uh, for their operational meetings and how they're driving their business and what it's letting them identify uh, stumbling blocks and issues and that lets them reassess their day-to-day to try to make things better long term because the biggest thing for them is how they can save money and a lot of the details that we're providing them 
allows them to really reassess where they're wasting or where they're losing money out with when it comes to their operations. Right. So I guess to, as, as the generalized point, that aspect of it is where I, it's, it's really fulfilling to understand that we're, we're helping them make a difference, even though we're a very small piece of a very large company. So as you think about relationships, uh, are there any that have really had a big impact on your career journey? And, and getting you here, and, and maybe it's something that happened 15 years ago, or maybe it's something that happened yesterday, but what relationships have impacted where you are? I would say one of the best relationships I've had, especially when it comes to the professional aspect of it, uh, was my first bo- true boss at Rock Connections. He's the one that I interviewed with and was hired on. And I've actually followed him from Rock Connections. I went over to, he brought me into Route 1 with him. Uh, it's, I've worked with him and now he's actually a close personal friend, even though we're at completely separate companies now. So it's finding that person, I guess, was what allowed me to grow and better understand what it was that I was doing, being new to the private sector, if you will. Right. And being able to see how they operate and go about the day-to-day, also handling executive leadership or presenting what it is that we're working on as to what the, the business is doing. That's kind of helped me jump into each role differently. And it's really built up to where I'm at right now to be able to handle the role that I'm in. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, I hear that over and over that, you know, this, I met this person here, that person moved, and then that led me to my next job. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I'm trying to stress to students how important those relationships are, and mm-hmm. everyone I interview seems to keep repeating <laughs> that idea, so that, that is great to hear. It's corny to say it's all about who you know, but some, a lot of the times it really is, right. and if, the, if you can build a relationship, especially if it's a student right now, you go into an internship, like a few of the positions I've been at, these roles would start as internships for a lot of the, the individuals that would be on our team and if they did well enough that ended up being a full-time job so they would get the full-time offer at the the, when they were done with the internship or after they actually did graduate from school so if they had if they wanted to return obviously with that once their degree with plan was finished or whatever it was they were doing they had that they had the ability there yeah, yeah, making a good impression always is huge. So as we start to wrap up, what was the best part about being in the National Guard? I would say the friendships. Uh, the people I've met in the Army, I mean, you have all your friendships in school, and a lot of those people you typically will stay in touch with, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. I've learned since day one in the Army, those are guys and girls that I'm never going to lose contact with. And it's been some of my closest friends. We've been through a lot together through the years. And that's, I think that's been the highlight and the best aspect of that, that entire time. So I, I definitely miss it. I just actually retired this past year because of some back issues. Uh, but I talk to many of them daily. So I think that's been the best part of it. What's the most inter- interesting place you visited, either as part of being in the National Guard or your civilian career? Uh, well, the civilian career, I'd never left really the Metro Detroit or Columbus area, so the, there's nothing <laughs> fun there. Um, but my my time in the Army, it took me into Kuwait and Iraq and then also into Afghanistan. So, But I would say the most interesting place, probably the Grand Mosque 
in Kuwait City. And then that was also the first time I ever went to an Ikea was in Kuwait, ironically enough. So until I finally went to the one here in Michigan about a year and a half, two years ago, I had never gone to one in the United States. (laughs) How that worked out, I'm not really sure, but yeah. So do they, is the Ikea in Kuwait basically the same as the Ikea in Michigan? You pretty much say it's the exact same thing. Okay. It's kind of hilarious actually. (laughs) But yeah, I would say adventures over there, uh, I call them adventures, but uh, just being able to have that ability to go into Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Afghanistan, I I think in particular, I was surprised at how really beautiful that country is because typically in the news, you're only hearing about more of the bad stuff that's going on. Uh, when it comes to the either a, an engagement or something like that, right? So be, where we were at was in the northwest portion, and it was nothing but hills. It's kind of like southeast Ohio. Hmm. A lot of vegetation, a lot of greenery, a lot of hills, and it was just really cool. Now, was the temperature there in that in that part of the country still as hot as? Uh, yeah, it was. I would say it was pretty similar to Ohio in that sense as well. Oh, okay. Because um, we were north of the Hindu Kush mountains, which kind of divides the country. So if you okay. go south, that's where it gets really warm. Up north, it, but like I said, it was more greenery. Okay. So it was, it was a pretty balanced climate. Like we got there in January and it was below freezing with snow on the ground. And then oh, wow. once the summer started coming along, that's when it got pretty similar to what we, we see here. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess... I agree. I, I think of desert when I think of Afghanistan, and that's interesting yeah, I, to know that that's Iraq's, not really true. Iraq's more that way in okay. that sense. But once you start getting north of Baghdad, which is pretty much dead center in the country, and you start going north of there, that's where you start getting more arid and more green, and you start getting away from the desert. But pretty much everything south of that, like when you're driving through Iraq, you look left and right, it's, it's flat. It's kind of like driving through the Midwest here, but there's no grass. Right. Who's the most famous person you've met since you left high school? The most famous one off the top of my head, ironically enough, is going to be military related again. And it was actually while I was in Kuwait in line for chow. And I looked up and Gary Sinise was right in front of me. Wow. Lieutenant Dan. Uh, actually, I don't know. How, <laughs> most of your kids may not even know who Lieutenant Dan is anymore. Right. Right. So, but uh, from, Forrest Gump. Uh, he was right there in front of me. We had a, we had a short conversation. He asked me what food was good to get. He had just gotten into countries on a USO tour, uh, but that, that was uh, the one moment that has stuck out to me over the years. Well, that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. My brother-in-law will be jealous because uh, he's all about <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. So, yeah, so he, he's he's pretty awesome. He's a very nice guy. Good. Good. The last question I like to end on is. As you look back at your life and you think back to high school, what is it that you know now uh, about life after high school, careers, et cetera, that you wish someone had told you while you were in high school? Understanding taxes, (laughs) banking, and I, I think those are the two big ones, just, and then really focusing on adulthood. It was an eye opener for me after that first year at Bowling Green that, uh, I didn't take it as seriously as I needed to. Mm-hmm. And as many probably figured out that uh, can quickly become a financial burden. So it's really taking seriously life after high school and, and realizing what can happen because that falls on your shoulders at that point. Right. And I think for me, that was the, the wake up call was that first year that kind of drove me into the army 
And now I can happily say that everything I've, I'm debt free at this point because of it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just taking, taking seriously and don't take for granted the enjoyment you can have in high school. And then, but really focusing on, I don't know, like senior year is where that should be starting to hit home more and really peppering students of, all right, taxes suck. So get ready for those. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Uh, you're not going to make a lot of money right out of high school, especially if you're, if you're going into work, depending on the job you go to. That degree will be important if you don't want to try to go right into a trade. And getting that completed, if you want to work at the same time, I highly encourage that too. I, that's actually awful. Um, I'm not currently taking classes because I've had a kid. We've had to move our, we're building the house. So we had to move. So then work is just crazy for me. It hasn't slowed down, thankfully, with the pandemic that's going on. But if you can work at the same time, more power to you because it starts getting you into that flow of, okay, now I know what my income is what I can and can't do without doing something too stupid. So I, I think that's the big one is just money management and planning. Very good. Uh, so if anyone has any other questions about the National Guard, the Army, um, being a, a data analyst, being a project manager, scrum master, et cetera, do you have a business email that you might be able to share that people can reach out to you? It's a RD Ryan. So Romeo Delta Ryan R Y A N, the number thirty three at gmail dot com. Ryan, I greatly appreciate you being willing to share your experiences and help our current students and maybe even some students at other schools and maybe some people who are already out of high school uh, who are trying to make these career decisions. Hopefully, this will make their decisions a little bit easier. So, thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out and talking about this. So it was great. Thank you for watching this episode of the Interviewing People CareerCast. And to be sure you don't miss additional career information, please click subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is released. Thank you for watching. And as always, remember the best part about Mondays is interviewing people.